Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back to the Swider Show, man. Episode 26. Uh, we had a great interview with Stanley Johnson. We actually recorded it last Friday, so if there's any references to any talks with of, of how the playoff status is going or anything like that, it was recorded last Friday, Patty. But, but Patty, unbelievable interview, huh? Yeah, he's the man. Uh, we're recording this part on Tuesday, March 28th. So that was, what, four days ago? Four days ago. My yeah. math is correct. And... Um, I don't know. It was just a great conversation the entire time. Like, I didn't really feel like we were interviewing him at any point, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm excited for, for you guys to hear it because, like we mentioned, ball is life legend, high school phenom. <laughs> now he's he's only 26, but he's kind of a vet in the league. So he had some real good perspective on everything, really. And then it was cool to talk to him, too, like you said, with uh, the playoffs. It's like been a couple days and the standings are just completely different than when we actually recorded so he had a good like perspective on that and good takes and uh yeah we kind of talked through that like we do every week but it was cool to get his his takes yeah it was interesting because I mean he's played in the league this year and he's obviously seen all the, all these different teams but he's able to give us like an unbiased view of, of these teams and then he's played with the Lakers he's played with uh Detroit and he's played with all these different teams and, and been in every single situation you could possibly be in the league from a high draft pick who who has the, the the world, and then he's come like he working his way he's back onto a, a team, bit, yep. playing the G League and everything like that. So he's definitely been through every experience, and uh, super super great interview. And and I think he'll be back in the league very very soon. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say not to hint at, at too much of the interview, but he did say he might be back in the league. He didn't break any news, but I was kind of hoping yeah. there. Swider at, at points he's gonna drop it, <laughs> but. Um, no, yeah, he's the man. Definitely get definitely got to have him come back on it at some point. But um, so what, the first thing I have to ask you, G League playoffs starting tomorrow, big time. Yeah. South Bay Lakers. Uh, I think it's a 4 p.m. Eastern tip, right? Yeah, well, the good thing about so the got, G League this year, yeah, go ahead. Got some afternoon hoops. Scratch the itch that, like, no March Madness is, is leaving for you. So, uh, yeah, you got to tune in if you're listening to this. But yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, the cool thing about the G League this year is that they really tried to get the G League playoffs on ESPN. So, 
it might be a weird time to kind of uh, have a game, but we get to play on ESPN2, which is great. Get to play on national, national TV again. I feel like I'm at Syracuse all over again. So, yep. Um, play, playing 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. our time, so it'll be a little bit of an adjustment there. We haven't played a we, – we played two noon games out in Indiana, but besides that, I mean, we've had mostly uh, yeah, when I was games. When I was out there, I saw you playing an 11 a.m. Ontario Clippers game in front of a raucous, uh, raucous fourth-grade crowd. but yeah it's tomorrow like you said ESPN 2 Rio Grande Vipers should be a good matchup but how do you guys feel going into it no we feel good I mean obviously this is going to drop after the result already happened so yeah but but we feel good going into it obviously we've had such a transition in our team for now we literally have no big guys um so we've kind of adjusted to that we've gotten better we had a good game against GD Ignite who like, it's a bunch of young guys, and obviously you can't really tell how, how we are as a team based on that game, but we, we played a lot better. We started to pass the ball. We, we got everyone involved, and we, we feel good going into this next game. Obviously, we've been resilient all year when we've had those losing streaks of coming out and winning four or five games in a row, and hopefully we can do that again and make a deep run in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what, is it about, what is it about playing those teams that makes you play better? Because I think your average is across the board against those teams. Like, you had 26-9. and nine. Last yeah. last game against the Ignite for for the listeners that aren't aware, but um, <laughs> yeah, what do you just like lighting those teams up or what is it? Well, I think it's for Ignite. Like, I consider myself a high IQ basketball player, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they're just young. Like, they'll fall for some of the actions. They'll fall for some of the shot right. fakes. They'll fall for some of those things that like a vet wouldn't do. Maybe some guys in the NBA, but it's it's also like they're super athletic. They, they give you some mismatch problems in other ways that you don't see with other teams, right? So, um, I mean, they have guys like Sharif O'Neal and Babakar Sane and guys who are all like 19 to 22 years old, but they're super great athletics. Babakar Sane? <laughs> yeah, great name. Uh, London Johnson, who's 18, but is like manipulating ball screens like he's Chris Paul. Like, I don't know, like, like guys like that who are super talented that maybe maybe it's a high level of talent, but they're not as experienced as some of these other G League teams or older guys or um, other teams. So, I mean, for me, I being being a shooter, I'm I'm flying off these ball off these screens. I'm getting open shots. Sometimes I'm so open that I'm like, all right, what's Bang. what's going yep. on here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I had to ask about that because I earlier in the year was that your 37 point game against uh, or no. No, that was against you Iowa. The, I had a twenty-five point game against Ignite. Early yeah, that was like one of your first games back after after being hurt. So yeah, yeah, like you said, this episode will drop after the result, but I'm going to say one seventy-eight ninety-four victory. <laughs> Just Twider double the 60, score. Yeah, Twitter sixty-four points, <laughs> coast into uh, first playoff victory. But um, yeah, from there on out, we'll be we'll be updating the Twitter. Me and Adam, maybe Sheridan. Yeah. On uh, where where you could tune into your playoff games moving forward, but um, yeah, I mean, that kind of leads us into the mailbag question of the week because I feel like this is where we progress into the Lakers talk. But yep. this mailbag question is from Corey. I know there's been some some for the listeners. I know there's been some weeks where we've missed it. I promise you, if you send one in, if you email us a question, I will read it on the show. That is a guarantee. <laughs> So uh, keep doing that, Swider Show at Gmail. But this is a very relevant question from Corey. With such a tight playoff race, how's the feel within the Lakers as every game matters so much in the standings? I've been kind of thinking this because 
I guess answer Corey's question first, and then I have a follow-up, which is, do you think it's an advantage almost that, like, six of these teams, you, Golden State to an extent, Dallas, New Orleans, whoever's in that mix, OKC, like, you're already playing playoff games to this point, you know what I mean? So when you actually hit the playoffs and you're playing the plan and hopefully it works out and you get in, like, do you think that's sort of an advantage because you're used to playing those high-stakes games? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and when you have a guy like LeBron and Anthony Davis who have won finals, who have won finals MVPs, who have been to all these different playoff situations, and even D'Lo last year, right? Like, he, he had to play in the play, and he got, he got into the playoffs last year with Minnesota. Like, all these guys are super locked in. They've been super focused this whole entire time, and I think it's just been a great uh, – I mean, with a first-year head coach, having those guys who have that experience, like, they're able to kind yeah. of carry the torch and – and, and be locked in, and you don't have to talk to him about talk to him about like different experiences, like OKC. Like none of those guys have really ever made the playoffs. Shea, I think Shea made it his rookie year, but besides that, yeah, with the um, Clippers, there hasn't been that many guys on those teams who made the playoffs. So I think we have an advantage from that standpoint. I also think that since the the lead is, I mean, you have an opportunity to, to get all the way up into into fourth place if you play really good basketball for the end of the year. Like like yeah. that's a motiv- that's a motivation factor itself as well. It's not only you could be in the play-in or try, you're trying to maneuver your way in the play-in. It's like you can get up to fourth place and have a really good 4-5 matchup. Or, yeah. I mean, every, everyone's licking their chops to that sixth seed, too, because they want to play the Kings in the first round and then Memphis in the second round and then have a chance to go to the West Conference Finals, right? So yeah, there's there's all these different scenarios, and I think that we put ourselves in a good enough position where if we win five out of these last seven and, and get the sixth spot or win six out of, out of these last seven and get the sixth spot, that, that's that's what they're really focused on. Yeah, I, you got to feel for the Kings in a way. Like, they're having their best season in a decade and a half. Like, they haven't made the yeah. playoffs since 06. And, I mean, they're very, very good. I don't think people like casual fan The casuals won't realize they're actually a legit, like, very good team. But at the same time, like, if you're fired up as a Kings fan, you make the playoffs, and it's like, bang, first round, LeBron and AD, or, like, maybe Phoenix, or maybe the Warriors. Like, it's just yeah. it's just a tough draw. Patty, what, what, what is, as an NBA fan, as a guy who watches almost every single team, would you be scared, like, scared of those top three seeds? Like, a Denver team who hasn't really, I mean, they made it to one Western Conference Finals, but they, like, kind of yeah, went there. It's, I think it's, Met- it's... Like not to, no go go ahead I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, Memphis the two seed who hasn't really had that much play of success yet. They've only made it to one Western Conference semifinals and had a really tough series against the Timberwolves. Have all the John Morant stuff. The right. Sacramento Kings who haven't made the playoffs since '04, right? And then everyone else has been inconsistent all year. Like, is there a clear definitive team that you're afraid of in the West? I As definitely an NBA don't fan? think there is. Yeah, I don't think there is. It's it's a very weird juxtaposition right now because. It depends on if you value, like I feel like the reason why a lot of writers and stuff on Twitter, it's like Denver seems like a clear favorite in the West. To me, I don't know. That's like yeah. what the rhetoric is around it. Is because like if you were to ingratiate yourself every single day and watching these games and like who looks the best this season, it's probably them. But then on the flip side, it's like there's also so much value in having the experience like you're saying. So like the Warriors, yeah, they might finish with 44 wins, but, like, if they go up against their Nuggets or their Grizzlies in a playoff series, I don't know, like, Vegas odds, they'll probably be even, favored, yeah. even. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just a weird, it's a very unique season, and uh, it's kind of cool in a way, because I think for all of, like, when me and you were in high school and college, it was, like, 
the East, LeBron was going to make it. Four years in a row, it was Warriors-Cavs, and it was just kind of like this foregone conclusion. And I still loved the product at that point, but now it's it's way more exciting that, like, to your point, I would not be shocked at all if the two, three, and four seeds all lose in the first round. You know what I mean? It's and crazy. If you guys fall, if the Lakers fall into the eight seed and they play the Nuggets, like, I don't know, that'll also be at least a long series. Like, I don't think the Nuggets would be thrilled about that and feel like if I was a Denver fan, I wouldn't be like, oh, fuck yeah, normal 1 8. Like, this is a breeze. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know how, if you're a one seed and you have to play LeBron in the first round, like, yeah, that that would, mm-hmm. that would be unbelievable, right? Like it's just like the yeah. West is so wide open, and then you look at the East; it's kind of the opposite. You have three teams who are it's kind like of four clear. that are like, yeah. I mean, if you want to put Cleveland in, in the Knicks in that conversation, you you could, but I I look at there's three teams in the East that I don't really see anyone making a surprise yeah. run, right? Like I don't I don't see a Miami going against a Boston or walking the first round and like even them like giving them really that that much trouble. Yeah, or, I, I, or the, Atlanta. Then, to my point, I think the Heat are the only ones in the East that could kind of like screw it up a little bit because they do have like the pedigree, like we were talking about with a lot of the Western teams. But it's not to that point. Like I would be, I would be actually shocked if the Heat beat, if they match up with the Sixers, Boston or Milwaukee, and they beat them. I would be, I would be very surprised. Yeah, I just but. those three teams. I, I just think are just clear cut the best teams in the East and the way with, that James Harden's playing with Joel Embiid and how they've kind of really like started to click right they, I feel like James Harden has f- finally gotten to that role where he knows yeah. his spots to pick who who on the team can help I, th- I think the one I, I, what I've been hearing a lot and what I've been watching is I think the one thing that Boston has over some of these other teams is that they, Boston Milwaukee is that they have such a deep bench that a Derek White can go and get 30 in a game yeah how much do you think that matters when it comes to the playoffs? A lot. I think it, ma- I think it matters a lot, especially on a team like Boston or Milwaukee, right? Like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and Giannis and Drew Holiday, they aren't going to have great games every single game. I think Giannis is a little bit of an exception because he can do it without shooting the ball particularly well. He can get he can get thirty five to forty just putting his head down and going to the basket and um, right. But with some of these other guys, it's like you're gonna have bad shooting games, and how are you gonna make up for those bad shooting games? It's gonna be have someone else have to really step up. You saw Derek White doing it in spurts last year. Malcolm Brogdon is more than capable of doing that. So, I mean, I'm excited for this year's playoffs. Hopefully, hopefully we're, we're fighting and we're, we're able to make a big run yeah. in the playoffs. But I mean, either uh, it's just gonna be an unbelievable uh, NBA playoffs. I'm excited. Yeah, I definitely think there's been years where the playoffs as a whole have been awesome, but you get at least four or five first-round matchups that are kind of just, like, boring yeah. this year. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen no matter who makes it. Especially in the um, West. Yeah, 100%. And even, like, if a team, like, obviously I'm pulling for you guys to get the six. So let's say you yeah. guys get the six. Yep. If a te- like, I want to see OKC playing playoff series. Like, they're just, their guys are so fun to watch. You know what I mean? Like, they might not strike that fear in the top seeds like we were saying before. But I'll still be tuned in every game, like excited. But, but imagine like board. a, imagine like a Dallas Denver first round matchup, and then a Golden State Memphis first round matchup, and then a and then a Lakers Kings first round matchup. Yeah, and, and then, then a Phoenix Fe- Clippers Phoenix Clippers like, yeah, all four of those series could go to the lower seeds, and I wouldn't yeah. be like completely surprised. Yeah, hundred percent. And then going from there, the next the next round, it's like it's just a complete crapshoot. 
<laughs> like I really don't think there's there's much of a favorite, but um, it's un- unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It's very <laughs> unbelievable. The other thing that's unbelievable, Swider, is our new segment. It's Kai Cat League. I don't know how many episodes I'm gonna say saying it's new because I think this is the third time we did it. But yep, um, kind of switching gears. Also relevant, the March Madness tournament. I don't know if you guys have been tuned in. I don't know if you guys have heard that it's going on. It is a one and done tournament. They don't call it March Calmness. It's been absolutely off its rocker. So with that in mind, it's the Copycat League. I think even though he lost, Marquise Noel, probably the star of the tournament. He had one of those classic March runs. Um, first of all, what's your what's your take on this Final Four? Random, huh? I mean, Real there's, random. Only, there's only really one national brand in the in the Final Four, and that's UConn. Like, UConn were accustomed to seeing them there, and, they, and they've gone through... They didn't win a tournament game for the past, what, six, seven years? So yeah, for I, them don't, to be, I don't think Hurley had won one, right? Yeah, not like with they UConn. Were, they, weren't, they weren't great when you were in Nova, right? No, that was that was Hurley's first two years, so, like, we we never lost to UConn when I was at Nova. Last year they beat, last year they beat Villanova, but uh, Coach Hurley got thrown out of the game, so he had never beat Coach Wright. <laughs> so That's hilarious. And then Villanova beat him in the Big East tournament again. So like, we never we never really had those like battles with UConn. Like, but this year right, it's like, like like the vintage, you, yeah, yeah. This year it's back. Like UConn's back, and to me that to me they're the favorite. To me they're the oh, favorite. I, I the think four. I completely agree. The only thing is, <laughs> me you and we'll cite the group message again. Jimmy Bay, I'm talking about like the the PTSD you get watching Miami. It's almost like they'd rather be down twelve with eight minutes left than up by like twenty points. It's unbelievable so how how explosive they are. Like, they literally just they flip a switch and it's like <clears throat> the the other day. If you're a Texas fan, you're probably like, "What the hell? How do we not win that game?" Which is fair. You're up twelve points with twelve minutes left, like in the Elite Eight. You should definitely close it out and win the game. So it's not necessarily an excuse, but at the same time, it's like. You can't like you can't be surprised. Miami's done that to everyone, and it's at a point now where it's just like they've been in every single situation, right? Like, I don't I don't remember them before our game last year when we played them at Miami, but for that for the majority of that group to still be together, it's like we've done this at home against a good team, on the road against a good team, in the tournament last year. We've been in every single situation together, like. We're not flinching when we're down twelve in the Elite Eight. Like we've been together yeah. for two years. Like that, that majority of that group, it, they're the same team we played last year. Besides Charlie Moore and and uh, I mean Warnenberg. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say Warnenberg. And and the Hit other the guard craziest who was really step good. back I've ever seen in my life. Who the other guard? What was his name? Um, but he's like a seventh year senior. Last yeah, year. Yeah. He, yeah, he was um, he was an unbelievable good unbelievably good player too. It's like. But, like, those guys have been in those situations. Jordan Miller is just, like, turned into, like, this the go-to guy, like, making every single shot. Like, we used to joke around last year about Jordan Miller. It's like, he scores the easiest, like, 18 points a game we've ever seen. Like, and now he's doing it. Now he's doing everything. Yeah, it's, I mean, the run they've been on the last two years is crazy. But that's going to bother me not knowing that kid's name. He made all conference, didn't he? Yeah, he was, he was really good. Um, look up look up his name. Look up his name. 
McGusty, Cameron McGusty. Oh, Cameron McGusty, yeah, he was he was ridiculous. So, Average eighteen a game. Yeah. Yeah. He he was he was a really good player. But I mean, Isaiah Wong's back, Jordan Miller's back. They they add Nigel Pack, who's kinda like a Cameron McGusty who who shoot, who shoots the three, can make plays. Um, He's old too, yeah. So all these guys are old experience. I think the kid Norchad Omir, uh-huh. he completely changed their team too, because last year they didn't have that dominant five. Yeah, they had, they had Wardenberg, who was a really good passer, who could shoot the three, who could who could set up all of his teammates. Um, but adding Norchad with with rim protection and shot blocker, and obviously just he could also play with them. Yeah, like he, exactly. he doesn't slow them down at all. So I don't know. That's why I I agree with you. I think UConn going into it should definitely be the favorite, just given how they've beaten the shit out of everyone they played. Like that Gonzaga game is ridiculous. I think I think UConn's deeper. Like UConn has ten guys that could finish the game. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like enormous. Yeah. So I don't know. That game will be very interesting to see. And then the other side, SDSU FAU. It's like both of them are just so solid. Am I getting that excited to watch that game? Maybe not. Yeah. I'll still tune in, but they're just two like very solid, good college basketball teams. I just don't see San Diego State losing that game just because of the way they play. They're so mm-hmm. tough. They're physical. They play defense. They, they they use all thirty seconds of the shot clock on offense. They 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 just pound you and just like I just I just don't see them losing that game just because their style of play. I think FAU is a really really good team, and we even said it after the first weekend. Like like after they beat Memphis, like they're good. Like yeah, yeah, you watch them play, good. and it's like I I didn't see that as an upset when they beat Memphis. Like I I didn't. No. And then once I got that. The 16 seed, they got Fairleigh Dickinson. They, they beat them. Um, and then that next game, who they play that next game at? It was that Tennessee. that showed. Yeah, once they beat Tennessee, I was like, all right, this team's legit. I didn't think they were going to beat Kansas State, but it's March. Yeah, exactly. That's a good segue, though. They did beat Kansas State. My It's a Copycat League. I love the, the probably the best part to me about March Madness is when a guy like Noel just completely captivates the sports world for three weeks like last Friday yeah they played Thursday um last Friday it was like he was front page news all over social media it was all anyone was talking about so with that in mind Swider we're gonna do this will be a mini quick draft and then we'll kick it to uh to Stanley but yep we'll each get three picks your favorite or most memorable March Madness runs by a single player so you can yep. just draft the player, and then it'll be self-explanatory. Everyone will know. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with the 2011 run by Kemba Walker. I mean, from the yeah. Big East tournament. I mean, they didn't lose a tournament game that year. I think they won Maui. They won the Big East tournament, and they won all six games in March and won the national oh, yeah. championship. So People forget uh, about the Maui thing. Maui was sweet that year. I think he had oh. 40 in one of the games. He's wearing the 12s. He was unbelievable. And just hearing him talk about that run, it was just so it seemed like so like seamless and effortless to him. Like he was just so locked in to a point that like he was just trying stuff. And I know the national championship wasn't a great game. I think the final score was like forty four to like forty. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. Or forty four thirty eight. But uh-huh. just like to have that run in March and just totally captivate the city and have that moment at MSG. Kinda like Mark I mean, Marquise Noel probably dreamt of having a moment like like Kemba walking down pit in the big East semifinals and <laughs> Yeah. Party at Kemba. That's uh, why, uh, but to this day now, every single year going into the tournament, people are like, oh, like, who can who can be the Kemba this year? Who can just be one guard that's so good that he drags them to a national championship? The other thing is most of them, like, I bet most of our picks the rest of the way 
got cut off like pretty short. I don't know whether yeah. it's Final Four or Elite Eight, and he actually won the whole thing. Final score of that game was 53-41. to 41. Yeah, disgusting. Brutal. UConn, 35% from the field. Butler, 25%. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Um, but, all right, good pick. My first pick, the guy that comes first to mind to me still, and it's it's almost gotten a little less impactful because he's like a top ten player ever in the sport now, but I got to go Steph. Yeah, Elite Eight run. It was unbelievable. Like the way he was playing, the fact that it was Davidson, no one ever heard of Davidson. Uh, yeah, it, it had all of it. So, yeah, not much like to add there. Just it was yeah. just a vintage March run. So yeah, you go ahead. I'm not. I'm not trying to make this like a UConn type thing, but yeah, I'm, this I'm is close to my next pick. I'm close to Shabazz Napier. Like he's he's a role model to me. I mean. We're both, like he's from Boston, I'm from an hour outside of Boston, so I'm gonna go with Shabazz Napier's run in 2014. Um, Can we get him on the pod to discuss? Oh, uh, he, I, I'm sure he would come on the podcast. So Dude, you gotta hit him up. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit up Shabazz for sure. But yeah, no, <laughs> Sh- Sh- Shabazz is running 2014, winning national championship. I mean, pretty similar to Kemba's, just just overall, just captivated the whole entire March Madness, won a national championship and uh, took it home. So shout out Shabazz. Like a big brother to me, and, and obviously just incredible run. Yeah, it was an incredible run. That was also his second national title, which is crazy. And little known fact there, I don't think they were eligible for postseason play the two years in between. I could be off there, but I know at yeah. least one of the years they weren't. So, I mean, winning the national championship, the only two years you're eligible to win the national championship is pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> but uh, second, this is a way more recent one. And this might uh, bring up some mem- or nightmares for you. I'm going Carson Edwards. Wow. That I hurts. think he averaged. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. He averaged 35 a game. <laughs> they were like Four, 42 seconds, on us. Yeah, they were like seconds away from beating Virginia, who ended up cutting the nets what? down. So, um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with him. I remember in the moment being like that. That might be the best run I've ever seen from anyone. Um, so a, a quick tidbit. When we when we played them, they were up by like twenty five, but Matt Painter left him in so he'd get forty, and mm-hmm. he he uh, missed a side step three on me. And there's actually a picture on uh, on Google Images about. Uh, so you locked him up. I would say he missed a shot. I want to say I locked him. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's my second pick, and then we got, we got to close it out here. Your last one. This this might be an unpopular pick, but I just remember this run so vividly. Um, that 2012 National Championship Anthony Davis run where he was just the most dominant player in the tournament by far. Like, shout out Anthony Davis, great teammate of mine, obviously. Great player. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. He, he just dominated. Like, he didn't even need to play offense that, that March Madness. He was just so dominant defensively. Um, carried, carried his team to, an, to a national championship and um, d- didn't even really need to score the ball to do it. He, he was just making plays and, and obviously had big offensive games during that run, but Especially in that national championship game, just the way he was able just to dominate the game defensively, I think that was one of the greatest runs of all time. Yeah. Um, he's also like a blueprint. People go to him and Carmelo. That's the tip of pick. I'm not going to take Carmelo because I was only four years old and don't remember. Yeah. But he, he would obviously be drafted here by us. But uh, now when people – that's like the ultimate hope with one and dones is like, like Alabama fans this year are probably thinking like, oh, we could do it with Brandon Miller. Like – 
AD did yeah. it and Carmelo did it. It's like, all right, well, I don't know if that's going to happen every year, brother. But, yeah. yeah, good pick. Solid pick. This one's a little bit off the board, but it's not necessarily a run. This is more of a moment. I'm going uh, Ali Farouk-Manish. Legend. Northern Iowa. Do you even know who that is? You're giving me a blank stare right now. Uh... I'm not gonna. I remember Northern Iowa. I remember Northern Iowa making a, a little. Do you run remember the, the guys banging the three with like they were up one uh, against Kansas, throwing a head on the break. Yep, yep, like yep. Def, definitely should not have shot it, but he shot it. And it was chicken nuggets. So. <laughs> yeah, shout out to him. I I, uh, I think a, an honorable mention for this would definitely be Jalil Okafor in 2015 too. Yeah, that's my other pick was gonna be actually Tyus Jones, but I just looked yeah. at his stats and stuff. He didn't like necessarily light it up, but his national. He made big shots. Yeah. He made big shots. Jaleel Okafor in 2015 was so dominant. He literally, he was the number three pick because of that, because of this, like how dominant he was in that tournament. Yeah, that team was like nasty. And um, Justin was Justice Winslow, Grayson Allen was a Quinn Cook. Um, Grayson Allen had a moment in that tournament, in that national championship. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I always forget about that. He seems like a completely different person now. You know what I mean? Like, he was such a baby back then. But who else was I going to say? Um, oh, this wasn't necessarily a run either, but Eric Maynard at VCR. I remember being, oh. watching him. They they upset Duke. That was sweet. LSU C- with Tyrus Thomas was also sweet. Yep. C.J. McCollum against Lehigh against yeah. Duke. That, was, that was a sick one. Good pick. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you could go down the list. A lot of nostalgia there, too. I I know I picked Carson Edwards, which was like two months or two years ago, but. Um, yeah. So again, another successful, another successful. It's a copycat league, but uh, I don't know, Swag. You want to kick it to Stanley here? Yeah, let's kick it to Stan, man. Obviously, shout out to Stanley for coming on the podcast. Really opened up to us. It was great, um, and I think you guys will really enjoy this interview. Like Patty said, it was it was a great conversation. Not even an interview, it was just a conversation with, with Stan. Almost a full hour of of us just chopping it up. Yeah, no, he, he was great, and like I said, shout out to Stan. We'll have another guest coming on next week. Really excited for this next guest coming on. Um, and, yeah, man, let's kick it over to Stan. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm really excited to welcome on my man Stanley Johnson. McDonald's All-American, first team All-Pac-12, Pac-12 Rookie of the Year, eighth overall pick in the 2015 draft. Stan, correct me if I'm wrong, but a seven-year NBA bet, right? Yeah, this is this is uh, hopefully finish up my eighth one this year. Um, yeah, it's been a little minute. Yeah, man. Well, super excited to get get you on here. If you guys don't know, me and Stan were together for a little bit with the Lakers, a little bit, a little bit. So, Stan, quick cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> quick cup of coffee, man. So, obviously, me and Stan work out with the same trainer, Charlie Torres. Obviously, we we're just talking about Charlie, man. Probably one of the best trainers in the industry, and uh, and yeah, friend man, of the Stan, show. Yeah, friend of the show. He was on the show before, so yep. yeah, Stan. But super excited to have you on, man. How, how you been? I've been good, bro. Um, still uh, out in California, um, working towards it. Um, might get on a playoff team here um, in a second, so crossing my fingers. But if not, um, God's blessed me with a, another year in the league. Um, had a great stint with the San Antonio Spurs this, this year. It was really 
super appreciative of them bringing me in. Um, didn't have a team to start. The, well, got waived from the Jazz to start the season after yeah, the trade. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, you know, being professional, it's 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 dog eat dog, and you don't know how often your opportunity will come. So when they do come, it's a great spot. Um, you you're just thankful for the opportunity, and we obviously both moved on um, with the direction of the team and where they were going, but. Um, a lot of family over there, a lot of people that I really respect and definitely will be a part of my career going forward for sure. Yeah, definitely. But let's talk about that, right? Because when Pat Bev got waived from the late or from the Magic cause through that trade, he talked about how like he kept on with the schedule, right? He there was like every single time the Lakers would play, he would get like an in game workout with his trainers and what's kind of your schedule been since since the since the time with the, with the Spurs ended? Um, I, I, I kinda treat it more like um I would say like August in the summertime okay. within like an NBA schedule. Um, yeah. I feel like in the games, um, there's just so much more running and stuff than I, I couldn't just work out and take a day off during the week. Like for me to get the, to be ready to play when I was, if I was to go somewhere, um, I got to kind of tax my body and make sure my body's right. So I'm not in shock when something happens. Obviously for Pat Vev, like he moved, you know, he was able to move on super quickly and yeah. being in game shape, that doesn't leave you quick. But I've been out for like, you know, almost a month now. Um, a little more than a month now, actually. Or maybe, I'm not sure. Almost creeping on a month, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I think right after like the two-week mark, that's when I kind of, I was kind of on the Pat Bev thing, like, you know, whatever. And then um, right after that, I kind of started amping it up, making sure I'm in the gym enough, making sure my body feels right. I'm also a lot younger than Pat Bev, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no shots at all, but. <laughs> I know I can just work my body differently um, yeah. than he can. And that's no, you know, that's that's just where we're at in our lives. I mean, from where I was when I was 19, I first got in the league, I, you know, can't do those things either. You know, I used to work out six, seven days a week sometimes. Um, you know, these days you got to be smart with your body and stuff like that. So definitely be fresh. I'm definitely, I mean, Cole, you know about this. Definitely not at the place where I'm like, need to get in shape. I'm definitely broken in from the season. Um, oh, yeah. Sure. Like, you know, your quads and, you know, everything is getting tested and you feel just as shitty as you feel <laughs> after games, just as shitty as you feel after practices. Make sure I feel just as shitty um, after my own workouts. And I mean, I love being in the gym, so it's fun. Like, yeah. especially with my homies, like I got guys who are, um, you know, Charlie, super professional. Also, God, I know my whole life. Shay, Zach, um, some of the high school, college guys I've been working with, they're, you know, aspirations of the NBA. Yeah. So it makes it fun because now I have a different level of experience in the gym. You know, they do different things. So it's always like a little spar. It's a little spar. And uh, just be, I mean, it's fun. I can't believe I'm, you know, at this place where I can like teach other people stuff as well as get taught at the same time. I, uh, for sure. I met, I met Zach to do it when I was out in LA. He's, he's a great follow on Instagram for, for our uh, followers that or listeners that don't follow him. He's always posting like the behind the scenes in the gym with you you two guys he's got a lot of connections obviously but um i wanted to ask about you mentioned your time in in san antonio you just said you're still a young guy you're only 26 years old but i'd have to imagine it was kind of a, a change up for you because um the spurs it's really no secret they're super young this year and you kind of come in and i'm sure they kind of looked at you in the locker room as, as so, somewhat of a vet like you're in your seventh year um so how different was that for you after you know, you're coming to the league when you're 19, and you were kind of always the young guy, but now it's all these, you know, 19, 20-year-olds looking up to you kind of like as someone who's established in the league. Um, 
that's a uh, it, it was it was fun like especially I can relate with all those guys because I definitely was at that place and I've been at a lot of different spots in my career whether I'm fighting for my job or in a four-year contract or you know I can relate with almost everybody on the roster and um I like to think I bring good energy I like to think I'm like a positive person so just being able to like bump and you know just be normal with each other even though I have the seniority and I can help them out and also like you know being able to communicate like I'm not that old where I don't know the songs <laughs> I'm just a little older um it's fun and then when you get to hooping like you know um I played on some teams in my career where we were a little older um this team we were flying up and down the court practicing every day you know what I'm saying like we we it makes basketball fun even though it was we, you know the results never happened the way it happened but that's the NBA um our process was crazy our process was good like it was pure we had good a good basketball environment and I mean those kids are set up um all the guys all the guys are set up to to have a long fruitful fruitful career um from what I've seen because I've been around the NBA a bit like I know yeah it's good and you know what I've seen is mm-hmm. good and what I've seen is is okay and stuff like that and uh Definitely a good situation. Definitely not what it seems. Um, it's just, you know, in the NBA, it's hard to win games, man. Yeah, it's, it's, hard to win games. it's hard to win games. So it'd be a fresh one next year for them. And I'm excited for, like, literally everybody on the roster to see what they do um, in this next season. There's not one guy on the roster. You know, even Dominic Barlow, which people probably don't know. I'm excited yeah. to see what he does next year. Um, probably, you know, on the team a little more, not, not a two-way contract or finishing up his last year of his two-way um, it should be exciting. Yeah, they got some pros, dude. Yeah, they got yeah, some real guys, pros. like some real mm-hmm. talent, like mm-hmm. real, real talent. Yeah, Patty talks about how you're on the one of the youngest teams in the league this year, but last year you're on the oldest team in the league, <laughs> right? And you were playing with LeBron and Russ and AD and all those guys. What what was that switch up like? Because you went from being like the young stallion running up and down the court, you had to defend for those guys, you had to make up for a lot of those guys because it was the oldest team in the league. And you guys probably didn't practice as much. And now in the Spurs, like, how do you adjust with that? Because that's that's a big thing throughout the league is, like, some teams you practice, some teams you don't. Some teams are ran by older players, and some teams are, are like, a, like a Popovich, you're going to do whatever he says, right? So how is that switch up? Yeah, it's definitely, like, like one, like, Greg, like Coach Pop is A1. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the standard. That's the bar. Um, so being taught by a man like him, like that's seen almost everything in basketball, if not everything, is a blessing. Like even him commenting on my game, shaking my hand, like all that type of stuff was a. Uh, I never got old at all. Um, I think I think I think the only thing I can compare, obviously, like when you're an older team, especially how we were last year, we like we did practice, we just didn't bump each other every day. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like a different world. And also like there's so many so many years of experience and there's so many style of play. And obviously I got there mid season. They had went through a training camp. But the style of play and everything we want to do, it's like more of like either we're gonna do it or not. Like we we you know, we like LeBron everybody needs to be coached, but like LeBron knows what he's doing. Russ knows, <laughs> yeah. he knows what he's doing, like T A knows what he's doing. DJ, both DJs knew, you know, we all kind of know what we're doing. We didn't have any young guys. Um, Austin might be the youngest. You guys see what he's doing this year. Yeah, crazy. Uh, he can really, really hoop. So um, I don't think it was, I think the only difference was just 
it's 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 you can find treasure in being young. You can find treasure in being old. You know what I'm saying? You just gotta find you know find where your treasure is. So, I think, you know, I always say like we had a hell of a team last year. I would I would love to have another chance to do it with a full season and get through a full training camp and make some adjustments. We just were, you know, back against the wall every game, every day. I got there almost, and uh, it's a tough envir environment. It's a dog eat dog world. Like people play the Lakers, they want to win every game. Everybody gets healthy. <laughs> Everybody wants to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's everybody, uh, it's weird. Um, but great experience both ways. I mean, I have, I mean, I learned a lot both ways. Um, we both, you know, that year we didn't make the playoffs. San Antonio Spurs won't be making the playoffs this year because so it's kind of the same result. Um, in both, both places, like great experience, great guys, just wrong year, like yeah. wrong year. We weren't able to fulfill. Um, and it's funny because I was on the Jazz earlier in the year, and I'm not surprised at what they did. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not surprising. Um, it doesn't take a lot, but it does really? take a lot to win games. You don't need names. You don't need, you know, a superstar player to be formidable and win games. You just need, like, to get together, see one goal, meet one goal. Um, you got in every. I think any team should be straight. That's interesting you say that because I think they've probably, odds on, you ask any NBA fan, like, they've probably been the biggest surprise. So what do you think, like – did you see this coming from marketing? Bro, from the jump. Like, really? From the jump. <laughs> that from is not jump. Like, <laughs> I would tell you, I was out there um, the whole, like, pre-stuff. Um, September, right? Yeah, the whole September. You know, you do the four days a week, X, Y, and Z. So, we you know, we're watching Larry play and stuff like that. I'm, you know, Colin walks in, Malik, you know, Jared. I'm, like, looking around. I'm, like, okay, okay. And then we get to like week three and then Laurie walks in, he walks in the gym and then we start hooping. And then Will's kind of start putting some of his spacing in and stuff like that. And I'm looking around like, this look kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> this looks kind of good. I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Like, obviously we, we don't know who, you know, not, we don't know what's going to happen with, with the rumors going around and stuff like that. But when we're in the gym, I'm looking around like, hey man, like I don't know about everybody else, but you, he looks like an all-star. He looks like a, you know, six man of the year. This dude shoots 45 from three. Me and him, you know what I'm saying? You look around and like Walker, I knew, like we all knew that about Walker. He was volleyball and stuff, the whole pre-training camp, training camp <laughs> Um, So yeah, like I think that, I think one, like having everybody in the gym and then two, us like having faith in ourselves. Like the team, obviously I didn't make it to, through, but like at the end of the, at the end of the preseason, like to, in my opinion, there was, you know, there's nobody in there that didn't think they were, you know, that team was a playoff team. Um, wow. Yeah, I don't think that was, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't think that what people were saying, like tanking, they're doing this, that, and the third, like, I don't, by the time we got to, by the time my last day there, which is the last game of preseason, I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen. Um, that was in the locker room, at least. Yeah. It's nuts. I saw a tweet, I think, last week comparing – Dirk in 06 or 07, whatever year he won the MVP, it was like player A, his stats, player B, their stats, and it was Dirk and Laurie this year. It's like the same exact thing, but I don't know. A seven-foot three-man. Like, Yeah, he's like dunking on people and stuff this year, too. <laughs> like, crazy jumper, can take it yeah. off the It's like, he's really a, a problem. A problem, problem. So, I can see him, you know, being a Hall of Famer actually one day at this point. Wow. Really? Is that just the Zona is that just the Zona connection? 
getting in your brain or you know what i hope it is i'm, I'm buying <laughs> yeah. it I'm, I'm buying it I'm i know it's, it. I know it's bad timing right now but um, but i mean <laughs> if you see the trajectory of his career and how much he's learned i don't think him making another all-star game next year is Oh, definitely not. Yeah. Oh, no, no. That's yeah, that's very in the Him doing it for a couple years in a row is crazy to say. Like, I don't think no. that – I don't see him stopping. I don't see many people being able to guard him. I don't see – I don't see it. Like, I just don't see it. And, you, I mean, I just don't see it. And some people – I mean, he's a matchup nightmare. I mean, so it'll all be how good the team is every yeah. year. Um, but him and Przingis, like – I mean, not comparing the two, but he can pretty much book Przingis for 20 a game, just all in the matchups. Like yeah. he's the same way, like he's the same exact way, but plays with a little more like umph, plays with a little more aggression, more um, skills. skills. Yeah, like a little more. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, we're really dunk on you, like really yeah. smash. It, you know what I'm saying? So I respect it. Like I, I'm, I'm rooting for him, and I would love to play with him again. I mean, the dude, the dude can hoop hoop. Stan, so talk about you. Obviously, talk about the Jazz and everything that you saw in in training camp, right? But. When, when we were with the Lakers, when, when I was with you, it seemed like you were competing for a starting spot with the Lakers. And then you go over to the Jazz and you're fighting for a roster spot. What was that mentally? I mean, you just you just got signed to a full contract for, for the year with the Lakers. Everything seemed to be on the on the upward trajectory. And then the NBA happens, right? You're, you're getting traded. What, what was that mindset shift and, and how are you able to process that? Because when I was there with you, you obviously didn't play that much. You didn't get to play an open gym, but what what was that mindset shift? Because you go from, all right, I'm competing for a starter spot. It was crazy because, like, when I tell you, like, I had my exit meeting shortly after the season. I would say I left for, like, seven days, um, you know, hang out with my kid, go on vacation with my family, my girl. And then I was in the gym the next, like, the Monday, the day before I went on vacation, I got in the gym and I was kind of just touching things up. And then the next day I got from back from vacation, I was in the gym and I was working out from like April all the way until they stopped me before like, you know, yeah. um, then. But like, I knew in August, like, oh yeah, I got some. Like I knew I had some, cause just about the work I was putting in and like me and Mike, we had been working since I was on the, he was on staff in New Orleans as well. And I've always worked with Mike on shooting. like. I can credit him for all pretty much the majority of my games and shooting um, to, to like the 80 percentile of it. And me and Mike have put in like a summer's work by July. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going into August like, man, I'm either getting these runs and just get them up, you know, make sure I'm flowing well. But I knew like I felt really good going into it. So when I got to Utah and there, you know, it was a little different scenery. I'm like, all it is is a little more work. Like, you know, they don't know me. I don't know them. But, like, we're going to throw this ball up. We're going to figure out who's who's who. Yeah. Um, so, for me, it was always, like, as long as I, you know, as long as I, when I get my opportunity, play well or just do my best, I felt fine with it. And, obviously, the business of the NBA, like, I knew going into camp, the numbers didn't work really work out well in my favor. Yeah. Uh, and all you can do in that situation is, you know, make it impossible. Like, make it non-negotiable. Try to play your best so you don't. In their mind, they're just like, man, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? We might have thought one day, but, man, he's been here for a month. Like, I don't know. Um, and I just didn't do well enough um, to, to, to swing that vote. So that was that. But um, I've been through so much in my career so far, like, getting discouraged or, like, 
anything. Like I've missed, I've not made a shot in the game. I've missed layups. Like I've played bad, played good. I've, I've done a lot. Um, and one thing I know you are your average. You are, you are what you are on an average. You're not, you're never who you are. Your best day. You never who you are in your worst. Yeah. So me, it's like, I know as long as I keep working and my average rises of who I consistently am, then I'll be fine. Like I got to figure it out, but I'll be fine. Like I can, I know I can hoop. I, you know, God willing health. Um, I'll yeah. be fine. So it really wasn't a switch, especially like uh, Coach Fizz at the time he was a coach, but now David Fizdale is, is in the front office over there. <laughs> um, he kind of was over there as well. So it was, was Taylor came with me as well. Me and Taylor are really close. Um, so it was smooth sailing. Um, and it was just, it was everything between that was just business. Um, I have to like, you know, give them a pod. They were super respectful, super professional. I know getting waved or cut isn't the main, isn't an amazing thing, but um, looked me straight in my eye, looked me right to my face, and told me that told me what, what was what, and I I can always respect that. Um, yeah, as a professional. So absolutely, um, nothing bad to say about those guys for sure. Is that a, is that mindset you talk about? Like you are what you are, your average. Is that something that you think later on in your career as you matured, you were able to realize? Like, did you ever struggle with that at points when you were a younger player? Yeah, for sure. Um, I. Billy Billy told me something. Billy Donovan, I, I was I got waved by the Bulls too. Um, but Billy Donovan told me something um, when I was like, you know, fixing to go there. He was like, basically, like your whole career, like you 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 were the MVP of Peach Jam at some point in time, yeah, and yeah. so was Bradley Bill, right? You were the eighth pick, and I'm not sure where Brad got drafted. Probably three or between the lottery as well. Yeah. But are you and Bradley the same player? Like all these accolades and all these things, they they put the onus on you because you've always scored and you've always been the best player. But you and Bradley are two different players. You know what I'm saying? Even though they did the same thing to Bradley. So it's these like weak expectations, like things that you probably shouldn't pay attention to, but as a young player, you do, because you're competitive. Like mm -hmm. that's what you want. You want to be, you want to be the best, you want to be excellent. Um, so for me, I think early in my career, I just tried to like strike gold every time everything was a home run you know what i'm saying where it's like more of like steady 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 right. always steady always be consistent um and then obviously like finding what your niche is as well like you know for for uh, um, uh, for the majority of young players like myself you, you kind of get into a mix where you're finding your identity through the league and in my situation i was able to play and do things like early in my career that you know to me like it was just it was just something that happened um and i think as i got through my career i just started assessing like my wrongs and my rights and try to like put it on the table and really find myself and i think you know through through the years i just took took some from here took some from detroit took some from toronto took some from chicago took some from the lakers you know and eventually you you get to a place where you're putting all these things together and it start looking a little better than it used to look for sure uh, so i think that's majorly it more than anything um, but you're, you are your average. I think I came to that at some point in time. I was just told that, and it kind of made sense. Because, like, even if you go good game, bad game, good game, bad game, like, you got to find out where that average is. That's interesting, man. I've never, I've never heard that before, but when you really mm -hmm. think about it, that's, that's, a great, that's a great lesson, man. So you kind of you touched on it. We might as, well, might as well go back to high school, the, the, Stanley, <laughs> the Stanley Johnson that we all know and love, the, the hoop, the hoop mixtapes, the documentaries and everything like that, man. Obviously, you were a, a, a high school phenomenon, ranked 7th in your class, ESPN. Like You knew you were going to be a one-and-done, everything like that. 
talk about your college decision, or well, first of all, just talk about high school and, and, and how that was being that high school superstar that everyone knew, right? Because I, I I can't I can't relate to that. I was like, it was just, can I. it was not like to me. It was just like I I I remember it, but I I really don't remember it. Like to me, it was just like a like not like another day at the office, but um. I, I had so many great teammates, like, yeah. you know, my first year, Caden Xavier, like, led the team my first two years. And that was Caden coming off playing behind Kiala and following that lead. And then I got the keys, like, probably my junior year and my senior year. And I just think my mom was, like, really big on me staying persistent and keeping working and doing all the little things. And I can say, like, I learned a lot about basketball through that process. and. Winning the games and all the stuff that have came with it, um, that should be a lesson to everybody. Like, focus on the focus on the right things. Don't focus on like all those other things. Like, those things will come when you do the right things. But like, I can't. Only one time I could say where I think my sophomore year or my junior year, one of the two, we beat somebody in the state championship, and I'm like, oh yeah, we're getting all four of these for sure. Like, this is the only. This is like the only year that I thought was iffy. That was like the only goal I ever had. Um, and I didn't like, I didn't play my freshman year to start the season. I didn't start, came off the bench, played center, played power forward my second year, <laughs> like shooting guard, small forward my third year, and then point guard my, my last year. So like, it wasn't uh, a Julian Newman type of experience where I scored all these points, like my yeah. whole, you know, my whole high school, it definitely was not that. Like we definitely lost, we definitely had our struggles, but when you win and, and you do with people that you that you really you know you mess with, um, it's all worth it. And I think like this stuff gets blown up because of the situation and how many people around that knew we were just here to hoop. Like it never was anything bigger or less than that. Like when I look back at the games and even my you know my best my best friend Jordan, um, still my best friend to this day. Like we you know talk about like dang we didn't even know like what we were doing. We were just you know, hooping. <laughs> Win a state championship next day. We're playing for. Win a state championship next week. We're in the Pangos Spring Showcase. Like, we're not even like you know what I'm saying. We didn't. I I can't. I'm not saying I can't. I think my dad has my rings right now, but like I don't think we ever like you know wore our rings to campus or anything like that. Yeah. Or that never was the case. Um, mm -hmm. never was the case. So, it's water touched on, but I I, I have to ask because. He said, like, the hoops mixtape, the ball is life. In my opinion, that was when I was a freshman in co or high school. I think that was probably, like, the golden age of hoop mixtapes and ball is life yeah. videos. I don't know if you guys agree. We're probably biased because we're all the same age. But I don't remember anyone before you actually getting a 20 or a half-hour-long documentary. So any of the listeners that haven't seen it, it's work. It's on ball is life. It's a great doc. I watched it today in preparation for the pod. But can you take us behind the scenes of how they came to you and – and ask you to do that? Um, well, I feel like Eric and Matt, like they're the guys who run Ball's life. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Eric would like come to my like seventh grade games. Like, I think he was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he's on like, my fifth grade games at Pango Joke, like, <laughs> like trick layups and stuff like that. So like, it's a lot bigger than basketball when I think it comes to to that relationship with Ball's life. Um, and it was just like more of like, man, I really like hoop. You really like hoop. We watch you play all the time. And now we really know you and they've been watching me for so long. I think Eric, I think it was Eric's idea. Um, and at that point in time, um, 
I think just the situation I was in and the stuff that I was playing in, I think they had a, like, it made sense for him. Um, like, mind you not, like, maybe they knew, but I don't think we ever expected it to, like, it was just another thing. Like, it yeah, wasn't, yeah. like, you know, I didn't, I didn't really, we, it's just something that we did because, you know, it was con more convenient for us. It was the right thing to do. Definitely wanted to document it. Um, especially going down the pipeline with, with the story of the four, four state championship. And mm -hmm. they had a lot of film on a lot of things that, you know, they couldn't put out in mixtapes. I think that was like kind of the basis. Like they had a lot of film and they only could put so much on a mixtape. And I like, I think a lot of the years I'd be like, man, I had this done. And like, I had a thing, like I never dunk off two feet. And like, every time I, you know, every time I dunk on two feet, it'd be corny. You want a video, yeah. And they never put it in there. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of how the conversation started. I, it was, I think it was pretty easy because I think the only, the only thing that was different is like a couple more times where, you know, I was at the park or they wanted an interview or stuff like that or follow me around or stuff like that. But outside of that, it was just no, what they normally do. Like come to the games, watch, be there early, stay late, yep. you know, do an interview. It's like the same thing. And uh, they just did a great job around me, like getting people around everywhere around here, yep. like, you know, Ronnie, Dino's, my coaches, uh, press reports and stuff like that to like really like put it together to make it kind of like a movie or something like that. Um, but I'm really happy. Yeah, that, sh that shit was awesome. Like the the workout videos and all that. It was it was it was just it was awesome. Patty, how cool, <laughs> Patty, Patty, how cool is that that you have so many highlights that they can't even fit it all in one? Yeah, place? I know. I can't. They need they need a full doc to get them all in. <laughs> So obviously, after your legendary high school career, you, you chose to go to Arizona. What were the other schools you were looking at, and what was the conversation kind of going to Arizona? Because we talked about this with uh, with Troy Brown and Max Christie and a couple of guys who who thought they were wanted or made, the conversation of one and done was a, was a, was a real thing for those guys going to college. Was that a part of your college conversation, and, and how do you approach that uh, decision? Well, I'm only going to talk about two people. Like, I had like everybody wasn't as respectful when I made my decision. So yeah. I don't think so. some of those people deserve any credit. Um, but I know like, Calipari and Kenny Payne at Kentucky and Arizona, Coach Miller um, were the two. Dana, Dana Altman as well at Oregon um, just didn't work out. Um, but those three were, you know, three of my five that were on my list that I was really t considering. I think Kentucky and Arizona was, you know, what I was more serious about. Um, I think in the situation I was in my life, like, you know, uh, my mom was sick at the time. Um, and I was, you know, I've been broke. I was on welfare my whole life. So I always went into college, like, you know, wanting to get, wanting to win games. That's why I went to college. Like I could have went to USC where I thought we never had a chance to win a game, like a game, but not win big. Um, and you know, all the onus would be on me pretty much. Um, but I went to a place where I felt like, you know, it was them two where I felt like I could um affect their program with my own personal but they also have an infrastructure there set that we can go and and win, win win big um but definitely i think um i actually i actually i i don't want to say i was forced to leave but i definitely was you know instructed to leave like i i i i, I did like i i did all my through april i didn't i didn't do like I didn't, you know, leave right after Elite Eight. Like I came yeah, back yeah. to campus. I did the workouts. I was in classes. Like I was like planning on staying, 
Um, and then I just, you know, Coach Miller, just me and him just had a conversation. And I think um, when life hits you and stuff, stuff is going on, you just got to, like, address your life um, instead of addressing, like, what you want to do. Um, totally my decision. Um, didn't know didn't know what I didn't know, but I'm glad I left because um, I would have missed a special moment with my mom at the draft. Um, she would not have made it for another year to see that. But um, I'm really, really grateful um, for having the opportunity to leave one. And then, I mean, I literally have prayed about me and her have prayed about getting to the NBA and prayed about being yeah. in the room and prayed about all that stuff. And for that to be, you know, one of her last memories and the last months of her living, like I can always live happy that she realized it. Like she saw it for like, you know, she saw it. She didn't see me play, but she saw it. Um, so I would say that was kind of the, the, the gist of everything, man. It's, it's, it's funny how God works, man. It's like, yeah. how, she was like your lifelong dream, and she was able to at least see you. You fulfill that dream, man. That's that, that's an amazing. That's an amazing story. Never, she never pressured me with anything. Like she never, never pressured me. Like never pressured me. She let, let me do my thing. Was like she would drive the games for California. Um, I'm yeah, she would drive the games, and um, it's it's really like you you look back at it, it's like dang that person was like very strong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, dang, you got all that going on and you're busting to New York, busting to Tucson, busting to uh, Vegas, like busting to uh, Colorado or Utah, you know, stuff like that. So it's 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 just one of those things that um, I'm really happy to look back how it happened. Um, I'm glad I I'm glad, I'm glad I gave that to her and also to myself. For sure. So. So, yeah. So obviously you go number eight to the Pistons in that draft. You uh you head out to Detroit. And we, we talked about we talked about this in the in the cold tub one day. You said I had to fight for my Nike contract in summer league. T t tell that story on the podcast because I think that's a great story. Uh, your first summer league. That's funny you remember that. <laughs> so I, I, I get out of the draft and stuff like that, and, and um, I just didn't like the number. Like <laughs> I didn't like the number. Um, and me and my agent are talking about it, and so I you know texted some of my friends. I'm like. Like, what are you getting? What's your, what's your number? I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I can't, I can't make, you know, I don't think I'm that player. So. Wait, so the, so the number worked? Was that, it was resolved? Yeah, yeah. We got it resolved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just, I just didn't like the number, Pat. I just didn't like the number. Yeah, that's, I love that. Number. Yeah. The number yeah. was like, yeah, I'm like, well, I just didn't imagine like, you know, you, you know, I just, I, I, I had got a, 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 a sheet from Adidas already. Um. So I was like sitting back, like, like that didn't, you know, these two numbers don't make sense. And you really wanted Nike, like preferably? Um, well, the, the number just didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't prefer either way. Like I would, I, yeah. I'm, I'm at that point, you know, people don't, people don't understand. Like my agent's like, well, you know, this is where you're at, but they have to see this for the sign now. I'm like, okay, well, they want to see if I'm a, you know, basically a real professional. Let's find out. I want to find out too. That's fucking awesome. Tell Nike to just to just watch this. I don't know if, if I would have had the balls to, to do that at 19 years old. <laughs> it definitely wasn't like, oh, like, you know, screw it. It was almost like, listen, like, Stanley, no, like, like, this is how we feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is how we feel. Well, this is how right. I feel. Okay, let's come back in two weeks yeah. and work on this. Let's do it. Cool. Yeah. We'll see you in two weeks. And when we came back in two weeks, it was like very fair. Yeah, very fair from what they said. So I was, you know, all good in the hood. Like I'm, I'm happy with that too. Uh, that's awesome, man. Obviously, you play great. Some of you get the number resolved, which is obviously a big, a big thing. Talk about the, 
the pressure, the organization going into that first year, being being that first round pick, being that eighth overall pick for the Pistons, and did you feel any pressure of being like, I you have to come in here and and save the franchise, or, or was it like it was like we're gonna we're gonna be patient with you? I don't think there's a, I don't think there was like much great communication. Like I don't I don't know what it was. Like I was just a really talented player um, that could really hoop, and they needed a they needed a small forward. Um, we ended up signing like a you know Tobias and Marcus, but I had like Marcus, Marcus, Marcus Morris, Tobias Harris, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, um, Steve Blake. I think was on that first year's team. Um, KCP was on that team. So it's a, you know this what we went to the playoffs my first year. So it wasn't like, yeah yeah. It I didn't I never felt like I had I I felt like I was a culture changer, but I I felt like um I I never felt like I the onus is all on me. Um, and that was kind of like the whole thing, the whole year. Um, I never, there never was, there never was really any expectation, but for me to play the best I can play, um, we just had a lot of stuff going on. Like I played so much differently, like that's so crazy. Cause I, I remember telling you this in the, in the, in the tub too, is like, it's crazy the league now. Like, you know, I was actually working on pull-up jumpers, like pull up two, like come yeah, off the yeah. screen and shoot a pull up two. Like that was like the thing, you know what I'm saying? And. I definitely was a player that likes to play in the open court, likes to get layups, shoot threes, and like, you know, X, Y, and Z. So um, a lot of learning, like a lot of learning, especially from a guy like Stan Van Gundy. Like, I'm a very cerebral person, I like to think, but I've never got handed a, you know, playbook like that thick. Like, you know what I'm saying? First one. Um, and it was just a whole different process. Like, everything you hear about the league, like back when I was in elementary school or junior high, that's exactly what happened when I got in the NBA. Like two and a half hour practices twice a day in training camp. Like, wow. yeah, like these days, that's good luck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's good foreign. luck doing that. Um, but that's what it was. And I definitely respect, like, I mean, Stan was awesome. Um, but we we were we were definitely worked our butt off. And it was definitely, a um, especially being around now, it was definitely a different environment than I knew it to be, uh, even at the time. Are those Spencer Dinwiddie stories true? H have you heard those stories about the nine 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 thing where it's like he was show he he would show up early he would get a workout in and oh yeah Charles class yeah Charles class yeah he does that the the nine ninety nine workouts yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, puts the most minutes on the clock and lets you just work out until you you know until the minutes are off the clock yeah, 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 yeah. that's that 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 that's true Can we expand I did, on I this? did those that's what young players do I did those. What what is the workout? It's a ninety nine. He just puts ninety nine ninety nine on the clock. That's that's his most minutes oh you can put. Oh my god! On. And you yeah. just work out after two after a two and a half hour practice after a lift before in the morning after shots. For me, like that was going on like like you know at summer league, you know at 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 training camp. Like Spence will get it. Like you know if he didn't play in training camp and like what you don't know is standing there for two and a half hours is just a you gotta stand there for two and a half hours. Then after the two and a half hours, you gotta wait forty five minutes for everybody to get off the court. Then you gotta work out for an hour and a half, and then come back to the gym again for our, yeah. for our next session. It's almost like he never left the building, and I think that was more of everything than it was like the actual workout. Like I don't think like Charles Class is probably one of the best coaches I had in the league. Like he's known for that, but like he, you know, you're not working out for ninety nine minutes. You of course get like a water break here and there, but yeah, <laughs> that is that is chaos. I've never heard that story. <laughs> you're getting through your whole bag. 
finishing, shooting, <laughs> driving, <laughs> running up and down, running shoot. Like you're getting everything in one day. I was gonna it's say, like how do you even fill it's that like time? A, it's like an Eric Devendorf workout. Yeah. You're gonna get conditioning <laughs> in. You're gonna finish with Laker drill. Like you're gonna, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're gonna get everything. Mike ins, all types of stuff. That's so. hilarious. Um, so your third year, you you kind of progress more into like a starting type of role. But before I heard you say, when you were getting into the draft, you said you didn't know what you didn't know. What do you kind of mean? What do you mean by that? Is because I'm assuming those first couple of years are kind of what you're referring to. Yeah, I would say like obviously when you're you know experience and 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 being older always helps you in life. Like you know everybody can say like I wish I had one more year back so I can do absolutely this. yeah. Or like I don't ever want to quantify it, but I mean exactly that because like if I knew better, I would have done better. Um, and I, I don't think that really has much to do with like how I've like worked at basketball. I think it's more like mentally. And like knowing like where Stanley Johnson is at, instead of like yeah. almost being like you know, it's basketball, 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 basketball all the time. It's like, you know, there's a type of place for basketball. There's a type of place to relax. Everything moving so fast. Um, I just wouldn't take care of Stanley Johnson the way I was supposed to. Um, and that's you know that's something you gotta you 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 rock and roll with. Like everybody has their own story in life, and I'm just happy I I have an opportunity to change the narrative. Um, on those years in Detroit, especially my second and third year, like got hurt a lot, like stuff that I never went through in my life. I, you know, I probably, I can't remember, I can't remember a time I missed a game for being injured until I got in the NBA. Um, so like all that stuff was a thing and not have my mom around was a thing. Um, getting used to that, which is always something. Um, so it was, it, it was just a process that, you know, I should have spoke up and, and got the help. Like I should have talked to a psychologist. I should have talked to somebody and, and and really let my family and everybody love on me like the way they should. But, you know, the way I was raised I was to be strong through things and, you know, not show anything. Um, but it gets to a point in time where, you know, you just break, you just break down and you can't, you can't keep everything in for a while. Um, so I'm really happy. I have a family that, you know, stayed with me and stayed on me. And I eventually got to a therapist and just, was able to put everything where it needs to go so I can see yeah. what I need to do. Um, and I can smile. I can, I can be happy now. Like I really enjoy um, what I'm doing where I can say at some point in time, um, it was never hard to play basketball. It was never hard to like, you know, whatever, but it was definitely hard going to work at times um, with the business and stuff. Absolutely. The NBA has gotten so good at that too. Like speaking out with, with mental health type of stuff. Like I think, I think they just helped fans out even even a lot so yeah it's awesome to hear you say that i think i think it's pretty cool because i feel like a lot of people don't even know when they're going through stuff that's why it's like you know mental like that's why it's mental you know you, exactly. don't, you don't know unless you know you know what i'm saying so i'm glad like you know our generation has started that because i think there's a lot of guys like way before the nba who you know i don't want to speak on no names but like you know what i'm saying you can see it you can see like damn yeah. you're going through a lot like you know what i'm saying it's a lot of a lot going on around me. like um so i just hope those guys like just speak up like if you if you if you're young you're 18 and you got you know got your nil deal going through all this about to change your life yeah. go talk to a therapist man like go you know what i'm saying go 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 make sure you you're okay go make sure you're straight um i don't see i don't see, it's that it's definitely not a negative i'll tell you that I, i've never heard a person definitely say anything, you know i've never heard a person say anything negative about yeah. the therapist whatsoever so i would encourage everybody to try it out no, that's great, man. That's that's so powerful. Um, kind of switching gears here. 
So you're the, you're our first guest who has played in the NBA for a long time, but you're our first guest who's played in the NBA this year who's not currently on a roster, right? So you, you said you said you might you might be on a roster coming up soon, which you'll be in the NBA if not this year, next year for sure. What's your thoughts on the NBA this season? Who do you see as real contenders going into these playoffs, and and who are some of who are some of the teams that you can really see making a run for for the for the championship this year? It's a great question. Um, Be careful here too, because if if you get it right, we'll clip it and then tweet it out. It'll go viral. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like. Mm, it's hard to say. Like, I I personally love Golden State's play style. Um, yeah. I feel like what they do in the playoffs is going to be hard to guard because there's no sets. Like, there's yeah. nothing you really can, like, lock in on. You got to just hope they curl or hope they come off. Like, you got to hope that what you practice is, is what happens. Um, they miss shots. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? If, it, <laughs> if it, You know, if you're hoping that the best two shooters, almost the best two out of the two, – two out of the top five shooters to ever play the game at least. Right, right? To me, two out, of, two out of the top three, in my opinion – if you're expecting them to miss, I don't know. Like yeah. that's not a good, <laughs> you know what I'm like, not a good plan. Um, I definitely think Denver's formidable. Um, I just think this year. Um, oh, I also think a healthy Lakers team, a healthy Lakers team, a healthy like Stun team. Yep. You know what I'm saying like, but <laughs> health is wealth, and like we don't know what that's going to be like. Yep. Yep. Um, but I really like. Um, I would say the Celtics are yep. what I would say the easiest bet. How different is a playoff game and scout compared to a? Because you said you played in your first year, you played with the Pistons in the playoffs. How and, and the Raptors, you were on that, you, you were in that run. What what uh? How different is the playoffs for from intensity to scouting report to attention to detail and all those things? It's also the environment. Like everything is like so crazy. The travel, um, the trap. I mean, I was we, you know. See, that's the thing. The travel is a lot lighter. Like, unless you, unless you're, you know, even I mean, unless you're, you know, L.A. going to New Orleans, yeah, like you know, L.A. going to Minnesota, yeah, or yeah. you know, Oregon going down to Texas or something like that. I mean, we're going hop, skip, and a jump. Like, you know, what I'm saying we could get to get to Cleveland in 30 minutes. Yeah, come home between games. You know what I'm saying? So most situations are like that. Like Dallas to LA is two hours. Phoenix to LA is an hour. Phoenix yeah. to Dallas is like an hour and a half. You know what I'm saying? So those those flights aren't those flights aren't too. It's like a lot easier than the regular season. A lot easier than you know what I'm saying than moving like that. Like you get to a city, your first two games, you know you got two or three days here. You're you're straight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and then you come back home. You know, you two three days here. You're straight. So it's like, I think the schedule is easier. Um, it's just a lot more mental. Um, and then obviously like the other thing that happens is you have all this, you have 82 games of, 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 of knowledge on the team. Then, so you're, you know, you get them to bring out their big bullets like immediately. Then after that, now you have 83rd game, 84th game, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like adjustments off of adjustments on adjustments on adjustments on adjustments. And these things have to work. Like they have to work like every I remember in college, we used to call, um, we, we used to break the games down in wars, 20 minute wars, like four minute wars, yep. 20 minute game. You yeah, know what I'm talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like that because you can't go between TV timeout to TV timeout and have a 6 2 run. And yeah. you're on the two side of it. You know what I'm saying? 
Like someone has to call a timeout because it can't go eight two, it can't go ten two because you might not get that. It's just a possession game at that point in time, and you might not get the possessions back. It's not even about the points, you know what I'm saying? So it gets real marginal. Like every the margins yeah, get real small, um, and every mistake they make you pay. Like if you have a weak, yeah. you know, if there's a weakness on the court, they're they're gonna go at it possession one, like possession one. They're gonna go at it, um, whatever that is, whoever that is. Possession one, like, you know, we're in the regular season, it's just like they'll let you play through the game a little bit and come down the stretch. It's like, all right, it's on now. Yeah, well, possession yeah. one, it's gonna be try they're gonna try to tear them off the tear the rim off. Possession one. Boston does that, I think, better than anyone. They they find a mismatch and it's like we're going right to it. Like we're not we're not wasting any time. <laughs> Blake Griffin last year, Duncan Robinson last year, like it was just like immediate. Yeah. They're they're well coached both years, but you know, they're they're well coached. Like it's like, yeah, they they can spread you out, and they're competent in it. They're confident in their system. Like they're gonna do what they do, and it's up to you to fix yeah. it. And that's those are the teams you're most scared of, because they're gonna go reckless. Like you know, what I'm saying those, those they're gonna recklessly do what they do well, and they're they're just hoping you do what you got to do. Um, so yeah, you're also you got a unique experience because your first playoffs year is like, yep, LeBron finals <laughs> year. <laughs> But uh, my last question here, I'm always curious to ask guys on the show. I think we asked Troy Brown this. Um, we touched on Laurie before marketing, but I'm always interested to hear guys who are in the league that you face that maybe like a listener might not have faced value be like, oh, he's definitely really, really tough. But who is a guy that might be underrated that when you were a younger player you were playing against and – Maybe he's, he was, like, giving you guys the business, and you're like, oh, shit, I did not know this guy was like that. It's almost like every month like, yeah. somebody knew. Yeah. Like, I can probably name off, like, 10 guys right right off the top that people are like. He said he said Ingles. Oh, Ingles is a problem. Yeah. Sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I think Devin Vassell is a problem. Kellen, uh, Keldon Johnson's a problem. Jeremy Sohan's a problem. Those are guys I just played with. Yeah. Um, Malik Beasley, like a problem. Like he get he has a super scorcher. Like he gets on a he gets on a scorcher, he can start scorching. Um OG Ananobi, which I don't oh, I say OG because he doesn't get the credit I feel like he deserves. I feel like people like yeah. know who he is and respect him. But I feel like he's a like he should he should he should have made first team all defense last year. Yeah. He should probably be defensive player of the year this year. And he should continue to make defensive player of the years like every year. Until yeah. I don't know, like something, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's how that's just what it is. Um, with him, I think Fred, like Freddie's the same way. Um, he's awesome. Like yeah, you know, but I like people. Obviously, he's an all star, but like Freddie's a little better than I think people realize. Yeah, um, I think Batman Bio as well is a little better than realized. Um, I think personally, oh Terry, uh, Terry Eason. Oh wow! Pockets. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, what what, what a curveball there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I tried to close out on. I tried to close out on one a couple of times this year. I was like, hey man, <laughs> hey man, calm down, bro. <laughs> but yeah, he's a he's a problem, bro. He reminds me of a uh, his his homie from uh, his his city, Jaden McDaniel's, who's playing well this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the Timberwolves, he reminds me a lot of him, like. 
A lot of him. A lot of him. Like that's a perfect answer though, because I'm sure a lot of listeners Rockets aren't on national TV a lot, so they'll probably they probably they might not even have ever heard of him. Exactly. So if you say that, it's cool. Yeah. If you watch him hoop, like anybody who's you know not a uh, what a, a mainstream basketball a watcher, casual. Yeah, yeah casual. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, watch watch him hoop. Like watch yeah. watch him. The dude, young TA vibes, young Trevor Ariza vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. Some phenomenal well, Stanley, man. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Well, Stanley, man, this, is, this <laughs> has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on the pod, sharing your story, man. It's it, it's been it's been great, man. Obviously, wish wish you the best of luck throughout the season. Hopefully, we see you on a playoff roster coming up soon, man. And uh, obviously, all the best and all the best from me and Patty. And uh, appreciate you coming on the show again, man. Yeah, thank you so much, bro. That was that was amazing. I appreciate you guys, man. I'll see you soon, bro. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. See you soon, man. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show, and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, Show at gmail.com and of course if you haven't already make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week cool swider show with patty casey is presented by blue wire podcast and our executive producer is adam lewis swider show is created by cole swider patty casey and producer adam lewis all rights reserved thank you guys we'll see you next week